This is Two Guys in Search of an Argument. I'm Eloise Maxwell, returning to the podcast for the third time. Very happy to have been invited back. Yay. I'm joined by John, Jim, Peggy, and Shelley. Hi, everyone. Hi. Hi. <laughs> um, today, we're going to be talking about home. So home is a place or a concept, um, a set of experiences. And John and I were kind of emailing back and forth about a, a number of different topics for today's episode, which included like a comparison of life in the UK versus that in the US, differences in like generational experiences in both of those countries, among a few other things. But what seemed to underpin all of these ideas was this question of home. And it's something that's been on my mind a lot recently because I just, uh, a little over a year ago, I, I moved back from the States to London. And as hopefully, John, you'll talk about, you've recently moved back from China to the States. So, yeah, a good yeah. topic, I think. Yeah. yeah, it should be interesting. And, you know, I think uh, and I think home also kind of, it, it, for me, it always brings up, it, it brings up the idea of how one feels at home and whether one is stable and feels calm there. And I think given how much maybe I've moved, I don't have a great sense of home because I, I always joke with my husband that I could easily live in a hotel. Uh, and he, and he, the first month we were in China, we actually lived in a hotel because we were looking for a house and we spent every day, you know, going to the same, it was groundhog day for breakfast. Every day we'd go down and get the same breakfast in this hotel, but I loved coming home to a cleaned room in a nice <laughs> hotel with, you know, fresh sheets, towels, everything folded, put away. I had no, no need for anything else. And my husband was going absolutely crazy. He needed a kitchen, but more than that, he just hated the temporariness of it. So I think okay. there's something about how one lives temporarily versus maybe a little more. John, you'd also be happy if you were very rich and you could afford to have servants who would do all these things. Well, that's what I, yeah, I guess maybe that's what it is too. Maybe, maybe. But wait, so John, the monotony didn't bother you because it's funny because I had this Groundhog Day feeling when I was living in Providence um, of this, my life became very, very small where it just sort of rotated around my apartment. I had a five minute cycle ride to my department. This is when I was doing my PhD at Brown. So I had my apartment, the art history department at Brown, and then the library. And I was just cycling between these three places and going completely nuts at the sort of rep repetitious nature of my life there. But that didn't bother you when you were living your hotel life? I didn't mind it at all. I mean, it was it was it was so new, right? I was in China. I had never been. Yeah. I mean, I had been to China, but I had lived there. I mean, it was all new. So everything was overwhelming. And to me, what you're talking about is a little bit different. Like for me, what the what if I am doing a routine that I find kind of mind numbing, that drives me crazy. And I yeah. always think about the fact that in, in France, the word routine, the, the, the literal word R-O-U-T-I-N-E in French is a pejorative word. It's like huh. the worst insult you can say to someone is your life is routine. And hmm. in the U.S., I feel like we're okay with it. I don't know about the U.K. Are you guys okay with routine? Routines? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, because like routines are – routines in France are like like boring, like you're dead, like you're not doing anything with your life. Yeah. Well, that's how I felt. <laughs> yeah. And Peggy's that way too. She never does any routines. <laughs> not anymore. Is that true, Peggy? Peggy, is that true? I'm pretty routine these days. There's a yeah, long period of time. No, no, not these days, historically. Oh, yeah, historically I wasn't. I moved around a lot, and I, it's, a, it's interesting to think about that concept of home. What do you call home? Where you're from or where you're currently living that you've made your own? Um, I don't know. It's interesting. I moved seven times before I was a fifth grader, so I had a lot of different homes. 
<laughs> and then we just settled in Michigan. So that was the longest place I'd ever lived anywhere. And then as soon as I graduated from high school, I left home and did not home as in Grand Rapids and didn't come back until I was 40. So now, <laughs> I mean, I, I live here. I've lived here for seven years, seven and a half years. That's the longest I've lived anywhere in a row um, since I mm. was a high schooler. So yes, I call Grand Rapids home. When people say, where are you from? I guess I say Grand Rapids, even though I wasn't born here. I didn't grow up here for the first 12 years of my life. And I've made, you've made, you've made places home. Like when I lived in Uzbekistan, I lived in a house for a year. You make it cozy. You, you, it's partly who the people that you're with. You might want to give a little background on that. It doesn't really fit into the, the, yeah. the cycle. Maybe Who's a little background. Well, when I was working with uh, Doctors Without Borders, that's why I was in Uzbekistan. And that's why, and it was just a year. So you don't take, you don't buy any furniture. You don't do that kind of stuff. But you unpack and you hang a picture on the wall. And so did it feel like home? I would not say a permanent home, but was I comfortable there? And was it homey? Yes, mm -hmm. <laughs> for the year I was there. But it wasn't about that either. It was more about not not being there forever. So I didn't think of it. Yeah, I was gonna say you also knew it wasn't going to be a home. Yeah, in the right. true sense, because you weren't. Versus in places where you've lived in the past, it had the potential to become a more permanent home. Would that be fair to say? Yes, correct. And that's kind of what I was saying. Like, like I wasn't expecting it to be home. And Peggy, and part of that is that you were maybe looking for something that wasn't home. True also. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, Peggy, where did you consider home when you were in Uzbekistan? That's a good question. Mm. I'm, I still owned a home in Chicago. That's a good point. Yeah. So I guess I would say... Chicago, though, I guess I would say I'm calling home when I would call my parents. I don't know. That's weird. I have, don't really think about it. And my parents had moved three times in Michigan. Eloise, would this be a good time to talk about the concept of home versus the concept of being local? Oh, the Thai the Selassie thing. Yeah, yes. I mean, a lot of what Peggy's saying is, is very sort of fits with what she said. So I in my research for, for today, and I was just thinking about, well, what do other people think about when they think about home? I found this great TED talk by a writer called Tai Selassie. So she was, I can't remember, she was born in Ghana, or she grew up in the UK and then moved to the, or she was born in the UK, grew up in the States, but her parents are from Ghana and Nigeria, I think. And she was just saying how she, she has a real problem when people say, well, this is Tai Selassie and she's from Ghana and Nigeria, or she's from the United Kingdom and the, and the United States. And she brings up this idea of rather than thinking about defining someone by where they're from, by like a country or a nation, that it should be about locality. So where are you local? And that's to do with where you spend time, um, no matter what nationality you are. So it's sort of those, she, she talks about, she has these three things, the three R's. So she talks about rituals, relationships, and restrictions as a way of figuring out, I guess, who you, you know, how to define your identity in terms of locality. And I kind of, I like that as an idea. Yeah. yeah. So Peggy, you were saying, if someone, if someone asks you where you're from, it's, yeah, it's a funny question. And it, and it, I mean, and, and what Tai Selassie says is that it sort of comes with this second question of 
why are you here? And I got a lot of that actually when I was living in the States, because obviously it's obvious as soon as I open my mouth, I'm not American. So that sort of where are you from question was was always launched at me. But when I was in the States, I found that quite easy. To, you know, it's like I'm from I'm from the UK and that never felt difficult for me. There was this weird thing where like Americans love to refer to people from the UK as British. Mm. And that really bothered me. Ah. I don't I can't even now I can't. You think of yourself as English? Yeah. No. Okay. And I don't exactly know. That's not, and that's weird. I'd never thought about that. But the sort of. What's the difference? That's <laughs> a good question. Oh boy. No, I'm serious. I, 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 I. Well, England is a country. What is Britain? And the UK <laughs> is more than just England. Yeah. The United Kingdom is a United yeah. Kingdom. Oh, so do you oh, say you're from the UK or do you say you're from England or where do you say you're from when people would when ask you that question? From... I mean, yeah. yeah that's it's... a good question. Or London. Where are you from? Well, actually, she's from Oxford, but that's well. No, well, story. yeah. This is why that Tai Selassie's, um, why her argument I think works because I struggle. You know, I oh god. Well, now I'm going to bring up Brexit. But you know, if I say <laughs> like I'm from the UK now, especially, you, this is this whole thing that comes with being part of this whole Brexit mess of like, well, are you part of the 50% of the population who wanted to leave, or are you part? You know, and suddenly there's this like different identity being associated with 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 Britain. So Brexit Brexit is changing the identity of you know the the whole Brexit issue people are changing how they describe their identity. No, not necessarily, but it make it gives you it, you know it gives me pause when and it, it definitely you know as soon as someone as soon as I start talking about where I'm from and like to anyone who's not from the UK that this question of Brexit comes up and you then have oh. to like either defend, you know, defend or like explain or whatever. No, you know, I, I voted to remain. So I have no, I have no qualms about talking about Brexit, but um, I don't know. It just, it's brought a whole set of different associations to the place that I called home when, and when this happened while I was away, the referendum happened while I was away, I came home for the summer, I voted in the referendum and then we, you know, we voted to leave 50% of the population, 52% of the population voted to leave. And suddenly this place, that had felt so familiar to me in some ways was like, what the hell? This kind, you know, off, I think probably similar to those feelings that some people had when Trump was elected. Like, there are so many people in this country who want totally oh, yeah. different things from me, and that feels so strange. And suddenly, suddenly now, I don't want to say I'm from this place, but yeah, this. But the question of like, of locality seems more like to be able to be a bit more specific. You know, like you could say you're a New Yorker. Like I had this conversation with my uncle, who's American. And he said, well, I'm not, he said, I'd, I'd say I'm Californian if anyone asks me where I'm from, which mm -hmm. I think is interesting. Hmm. Yep. You know, not wanting to be yep. American necessarily. John, where do you say you're from? When I, when I lived in Scotland in 1987, one of the first things I remember about language was that no one said, where are you from? Yeah. The question was always, where do you stay? Oh, yeah, exactly. Now, is that English as well or is that Scottish only? I no, that's, that's great. That doesn't happen here. No, it's where are you from? But I think that's right. And that's exactly the same thing as like, yeah, where are you local? Where, yeah. where are the places that you spend yeah. time experiencing those rituals, those relationships and potentially restric restrictions? And I mean, I definitely feel like after, you know, I mean, I do feel like after Brexit, as much as after Trump, because it all happened globally at the same time mm -hmm. in my head, all and all this nationalist mm -hmm. stuff that's coming out now that I hear so much of these days, I, it's all tied in for me to it, it has made me feel more 
I don't know. I, I don't know. Ashamed, but like I'm a. I give. I, I have a little more pause before I say that I'm like. And I used to glibly say this, but I'm like a global citizen, mm. or I don't really consider myself. You know, like or even. I, it's 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 definitely uh, it has definitely affected how I talk about things because I'm like I've never felt at home in like I don't know I have a brother who has never been out of the country and he's like I don't need to leave the country there's so much to see mm. here and I respect that that's great but that is so wildly different from how yeah. I think about life that like I can't even imagine it yeah I have a question for Peggy and Shelly and Eloise Peggy do you think you'll stay in Grand Rapids? Is that your final landing place? Same question for same question for Shelley about Indianapolis and same question for Eloise about London. I know, John, that you have no final resting place, so I'm not going to bother. <laughs> well, yeah, I do, but I don't know where it is. Wherever Ted is, basically. For me, right now, just seven years of living in the same house, which is just crazy, and having the same job <laughs> and <laughs> Yes, and having the same job for seven years. I mean, it's I, crazy I just for you. Still can't it. I think that I will live in Grand Rapids until my mother dies or does not live in Grand Rapids anymore. And then after that, uh-huh. so you just got to get your mother to move to Uzbekistan with you. Yeah, and then right. after that, I could foresee a change in a living city but for now i don't feel comfortable picking up and leaving her here by herself especially as she's aging so for me it depends that's the that's sort of the rate limiting factor i don't think that's uncommon peggy i think you're becoming more conventional as you yeah what about you shelly i don't like to say where I'm going to live because I'm not sure what my life is going to bring. But if I had to. <laughs> but you're not. But I, I hear to, that you saying you're not like tied to being in Indianapolis. I think my heart is tied to being here until uh, my parents pass and my nieces and nephews are out in their own life. Not that I'm diminishing the significance of my sisters, but <laughs> they have their spouses. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so but I missed a large to, portion similar of Similar to my... Peg then, right? Family ties. Yeah. Yeah. Eloise? I so. Yeah. I guess the same. My So I'm one of seven kids, and of the seven of us, five of us live in East London. I'm like a you know, five, ten-minute cycle ride from my three of my siblings wow. who all live, well, two of them live next door to each other, and are, like they have three kids each. Uh, and their kids are all being brought up together, which cool. is lovely. They share a garden and the whole thing is amazing. Oh, yeah. And I have another sister who lives on the same kind of estate as them. So she's sort of their neighbor and a brother who, well, he's actually, he's actually in the States now, but he was living in, in East London for a while. And then my youngest sister is only 17. She's at school and another one of my sisters is with my mom. Um, but there's not so much of a crazy distance in the, in the UK. So I'm only like an hour on the train away from my mom. So I, I'm in London. I, London is definitely home now because of because of my family being here. But if I'm in, in terms of relocating to a different country, yeah, I like I don't know either. I I'm not set on being here forever, mm-hmm. but um, I would I think I, I would find it hard to be super what far away from them again. Jim, what about you? Well, John, as you know, I have basically lived in the same place my entire life. So <laughs> you're I'm very mobile, though. 
Well, no, I go for the weekend. Well, that's not true. You've been talking. You're considering yeah, possibilities. You're always you know, putting my possibilities. My children don't want me to be too close, you know. They're afraid of the drop-in, you know, the person. If I'm too close, I can just show up, and you never know. <laughs> if that's... I forget what age that changes at. What do you mean? It doesn't really change. That the ch- that if if you know when you're in college or your university or whatever you're and you you, you wouldn't want to be like right next door to your parents so you can have a little like going mm. away and experiencing life on your own time. But at some age, whether it could be when you have kids or it could be a little after you have kids or it could be when you're just settled in your career and your life or your whatever, that then you desperately do want to be around your parents and you're like, no, I want them around. I like it is them. strange. I mean, for me, I was still living in Chicago at, when I was four. And I had decided, Jim claims I moved to Grand Rapids for a man, but I had decided before I met the man that I wanted to move back home. I was just teasing you, Peg. I wasn't being serious. I know. (laughs) I know. But I I had already decided that. I had already started the process to sell my condo. I had already started looking for jobs. And then then I met the man who lived in Grand Rapids. So that made it even more Mm. interesting. I believe I actually said you you and Shelly moved because of boys, not men. But that's another. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. But hers proved to be a man. Mine was still a boy. Oh! (laughs) A shot has been fired. (laughs) (laughs) So I moved in with my parents at age 40. Love it, Shelly. Love it. Because I didn't have a place to live yet, and what a blast. I mean, we loved it. My dad didn't want me to move out. I mean, and you know, when you're 22, they can't wait for you to of course. get a job <laughs> and move out. As adults, mm-hmm. we were loving it. We were having a great time, and I always lived four miles from them, and then they moved a mile and a half away, and it, we just, it's, it was been super fun. So it, something changed you're right, John. At a certain point, I don't know what where it is, but for me, it was around age forty. I wanted to be closer to them. I could see signs of aging. My dad had taken a fall down the stairs and needed knee surgery, so I was coming home a little bit to help more. So I that was part of it for me, seeing the aging process. I have a question for everyone, and we it kind of touched on it a little bit. When you say I'm coming home, when you're referring to your parents. Do you think of the home that your parents are currently in as home or more the house that you actually grew up in in your formative years? So since Peggy's parents just heard it moved a couple times, my parents don't live in the house that I actually grew up in. Do you still call it I'm going home? I call it now. I say my parents' house. So because I did not grow up in that house. But when I say I went home more often, I meant Grand Rapids. Got it. Yeah, I don't, that's an interesting one for me. My parents divorced, um, or they separated when I was 16. And my mom is in Oxford. Mm. And I think it's going home. I think when I was in America, when I was living in America, I would refer to going home as going to my mom's house in Oxford. But now I'm back in the UK. It's Yeah, it's my mom's house. It's not. So that's weird. That's kind of shifted. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Jim and John, what do you say? Well, my parents are both passed away, so I don't know if the question is still relevant. I actually haven't thought of my parents' place. Even when they were alive, I didn't really think of my parents' place as being home. 
they moved out of the house where I basically grew up in like a long time ago. So I didn't really think of where they lived as home. Jim, you 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 have a very fluid idea of of home, though you're very comfortable anywhere. I mean, as much as you, I know you've lived in DC your whole life, but you you you've traveled a lot, and you're always kind of bouncing around. In the United States, I've gone to a bunch of places, I guess, in the United States, mostly for debate stuff. But I'm not. I I guess I you know I like living in hotels and motels, but. Um, Jim, what do yes. you think your kids, do they call where you are home? Oh, no. I think they're all they're all now committed New Yorkers. So when they go, when they visit you, they say, I'm going to see my dad. Uh, probably. Yeah. Or their mother and their dad. Their mother still lives around here as well. Because they're all so from like there. That. That's where they were born, right? Where you are? Yeah. But they're all in New York. Okay. So you see, they're all, I think they're all committed New Yorkers. I'd be surprised if any of them left New York. When I lived in Philly and people said, where are you from? I said, I remember saying I'm from Chicago. And at that time, or I... And I always thought you were from Chicago, Peg. Partly, I think back then it had to do with it. It was, it felt cooler to say I was from Chicago than from Grand Rapids. <laughs> and I, It's not as cool as saying you're from Oxford. No, not at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's so subjective. And I don't even know that I'd say I was from Oxford. Well, I knew you were from Oxford, so how did According I find According to you, out? I am, but I wasn't born there. I moved there when I was 16. I don't know. Uh, you, told me, you told me that your family lived in Oxford. So yeah, so my mum lives there now, but that she only moved right. there when I was 16. And I then yeah. went to university there. Oxford sounds even but, cooler than Yeah, uh, but I'm really from like the middle of the countryside in, the, you know, in Oxfordshire in the UK. I mean, if that's if we're talking about childhood experiences being really formative, which the, which you know definitely are, then that I guess. But I think I mean maybe what we're all saying is that you can be from multiple from multiple places, or you can have the idea of home as being not just one place but many mm-hmm. that might shift over time. Yeah, I think that's true, and I think every person seems to have a different definition of home mm. or what their level of comfortableness of calling some place home yeah. versus another place. It's very interesting. Yeah. So, John. Yeah, I mean, I can go camping for the weekend and be in a tent and call it home. I mean, I it's like not, not a big go deal. Camping for the weekend, <laughs> by the way. Let me just now, be clear about that. <laughs> <laughs> I would like, Jim. I want to take you camping oh my just God, to give that a shot. No I think that'd be funny. John, as hell. you have a better chance of getting me to disarm a nuclear warhead <laughs> than of me going camping. In fact, I'm pretty sure I'd prefer to die in a nuclear warhead explosion. Then go camping. That is a ridiculous statement. Yes, what? that's so dumb. So he's he's really open to the idea. What if I? Okay, first what of all, I, I don't like, like a, to go outside. I don't even like <laughs> to go <laughs> outside. Like an outdoor movie. So, I don't even like to go walk across the street very much. So. So your home is <laughs> definitely not, yeah nowhere outdoors. My idea of camping is staying at a hotel where they don't have HBO. <laughs> that's my idea. <laughs> Ridiculous. Oh so, um, but John, what you just said actually is really interesting. You said I'm a very urban person. What can I say? Uh, yeah, well, that's clear. But John, you said it doesn't really matter. Like I would call a tent a home if I was camping for a weekend. So, do you? For you, is the idea of home? It's not. It's not so important. Like, it's not a. It's not an important thing for you to figure out, or it's not a present thing for you. 
Yeah, I'm looking for, I mean, we're looking, we're back in Chicago from Shanghai. We're looking for a house and it is hilarious us looking for a house. We've been looking forever. And what, and I, I, I look at it and I, I'm excited about the house and I'm finding houses and it looks, oh, this place looks nice or this place looks nice. And I, I look back and I'm, you know, I look at, I'm 52 years old and I look at the travel that I've done in my life and I look at the pattern because I'm trying to be a little more evidence-based about things and a little bit less like just whatever I feel mm. like these days. And when I, the pattern in my life is crystal clear, which is I come, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in Chicago, which is, you know, home or the Chicago area. I had a colleague in Shanghai who was from the city and he used to say, well, you're not from Chicago, you're from the suburbs. And I'm like, well, I'm from a suburb, like four <laughs> feet outside of the city. But anyway, the um, North and Shore, lived, baby, the and, North Shore. And I lived outside of this and I lived in the city far longer than I lived in the suburbs. But anyway, he would, but there's, there's some territorial stuff about city versus suburbs and, and, and identity okay. attached to that too. But for, for me, the pattern has been, I come to Chicago, I leave for two to five years, go somewhere else, whether it's LA, Dallas, Paris, you know, Dundee, Scotland, Amsterdam, Ch China. I mean, I've, I've got, I've bounced places and then I come back for another three to four years. So now when I'm looking for a house, I'm kind of going, well, this is exciting anything, but I, in the back of my head, I'm thinking I better plan on the assumption. I'm not going to mm. be here very long. So John. Yeah. And that's interesting. But John, your, your pattern is you go somewhere and then you end up back in Chicago or the greater Chicago. Yep. For sure. And for I mean, sure. Truthfully, John, in all seriousness, no joking aside, and I've known you for a long time now, your family means a lot to you. Your family is basically all in the Chicago area. That's important to you. And uh, but the other thing that's changed that's relatively new is, you know, your home is where you and Ted are, and that's home for you. No, and that's it, true. And if you and that's Ted true can be in the middle of the jungle and you might end up being in the middle of a jungle. I could foresee that Ted would like that. Oh, yeah. And uh, that <laughs> oh, would yeah. be home with you two guys together would be home for you guys. Oh yeah. No question. That's definitely on the table. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But I mean, but I don't, but, but, but Eloise, it's very, home is very mm. fluid to me. I am, I am, I get, I get comfortable in a space in short order. Give me one or two, give me an hour to kind of unpack, organize my stuff, you know, get somewhere, know where I'm going to sleep, fix the lighting. Cause I am gay. And then, <laughs> then move on. also John, but I think when you get to a certain level where you're really comfortable, that's when you decide, I don't want to stay here anymore. I'm bored. I want to go to the next place. That's my opinion. Uh, yeah, that's probably true too. That's, I think that's Peggy's history as well, if I may just drag her into I, I think that's possibly true. Possibly true. I agree with John. I mean, I've lived in so many apartments in Chicago, too. I can't even, I'd have to count. So how many times did I move in Chicago? And I don't know if it has to do with the way I was raised because we moved so much or whatever. Or whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't know. When I lived in Sudan, when I lived in Philly, when I lived in every apartment in Chicago, I, they all felt like home, even though I wasn't there for a great length of time. So I, I get what John is saying. I felt comfortable in those places. Uh, I never would say things like, this just doesn't feel like home. You know, it's not a, it's not the way I think about it when I'm there. Mm. It, it's just sort of, this is where you're living now. And that's all there is to it. I don't know if I'd feel that way now after being in one place for seven years, but that historically that's how I felt. I wondered about John. I, I have a question for John and maybe for others. So with your your house hunting, 
do you, have you experienced where you've walked into a place and you could say, feel, oh, this feels like home or I could live here? Those are two different things, I think. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. I feel that way all the time. Like I look at places and I say, I, do, I, could I live agree. Here, but I, I don't walk into a place and go, this feels like home. No, I meant in the setting where you're looking for a place to live, not like when you're on vacation. No, I know. I mean that too. Oh. No, okay. I mean that too. Like when we, because we look at houses all the time. Charlie loves to look at houses. And I walk in and I say, wow, this, I could live here. But I don't say, wow, this feels like home. Okay. Because it's not my home. I don't live there. Because when I've done, looked at places in the past, I get this like guttural feeling of, I, I, I see myself here. I can put this here. This is what I want. And then there's other places I go into and I'm like, no, I could never live here. This is, doesn't feel like a, I, it could be a home for me. Like this intrinsic feeling. Mm. You're lucky. I don't get that. You don't, I, I don't have that. You don't really I have, have a that. question for Eloise. Not that severely. <laughs> I have a question for Eloise. Yeah. You talked a little bit about uh, Providence, but you lived in New York for several years. Did you feel, quote, at home when you were living in New York? Okay, so... This is this brings something up that I've wanted to that I think Peggy first raised, which I hadn't thought about, which is the idea of home being tied to time, this temporality of home. So I moved to New York to do a master's in art history at NYU. And so I knew that I had two years, definitely two years in New York. That was the length of the program. And it was so that really colored a lot of my like first, definitely my first year of, of living there where it. I don't know that it felt like home. I don't think that it did feel like home for the first year. And especially because I knew there was this deadline. So exactly the same thing, you know, like not buying proper furniture, like feeling like all of these relationships that I was building, friendships I was building were were so, uh, were were so temporary and therefore not what's sort of a bit, a bit superficial maybe. But then in my second year of study, I I applied for a a working visa that you're allowed to apply for as an international student, which would, which would give me another year. And as soon as I realized I could have another year, I looked at everything a bit differently and was like, oh, and then if I get a job and I can get a working visa, then this could actually be my home for many years to come. And suddenly everything kind of shifted and I was much more invested in trying to make New York my home. But for me, it was so tied up with this weird, having this weird deadline to begin with. And then I really did. I like, so that's you know, I an example. In. That's an example of where the state sort of. The restrictions. The yeah. imposition of the state sort of was infringing on someplace that otherwise you might have felt very comfort, comfortable in. Mm. I don't know. Comfortable is the right word. I don't know. Yeah. You tell me what's the right word. Yeah, but I think that's normal. I think that's normal. I mean, I think that's common for international students, too, is they're willing to commit to a place where they know they can invite The it. only reason I raise that is it, it ties in with one of the themes, I think, in the TED Talk that uh, Eloise referenced earlier. Yeah, the restrictions part. The you. You know, yeah. Eloise, do you think that New York in particular is, an un, is a place that might be a little more difficult or easy to make a home? Weirdly, I think it's both. So it is a tough place to live. It is expensive. It's pretty, like, you know, takes no prisoners. Like, New Yorkers are, I mean, having lived in Rhode Island I can, and, like, visited a bunch of other places in the States, they're, they're a very particular type of people. And then this, like, weird thing of being, of, of definitely feeling like an outsider and there being some cultural clashes that we can talk about or not um, with the sort of, you know, UK versus US thing. So there are a lot of barriers, but actually one of the greatest things about New York, I think, which is a lot of New Yorkers will say, is that, no, like, hardly anyone you meet is from New York. 
So you're all kind of in it together. You're all trying to figure out this right. mess of a city that's like exciting and difficult and challenging and wonderful and full of opportunity together. And that was what really struck me. Actually, even from, from the sort of like first few months I was there, I joined a program. The program I was in at NYU, there were no like native New Yorkers there. Everyone had moved there. For, like There are a few international students uh, and then all of the Americans that were there had moved from various parts of the States. So we were all just like figuring it out together. And that actually, that made like, sort of acclimatizing a lot easier because everyone was like, what is this place? It's so weird and difficult um, and crazy. So kind of, yeah, it's, it's both really hard and, and, rel- and sort of relatively easy and very different from my experience of moving to London from after university where like so many of my friends are actually like born and bred Londoners. And again, I don't know if that's just, that's just the way it goes. If you're like, if you're from the UK, you end up like, making friends with those Londoners versus if you're not from the States, you make friends with people who are not from New York when you're there. I, I don't know. But like my experience of figuring out London as not Londoner versus figuring out New York as a not New York, it's very different. I don't know if this is true of London, but so many people who live in New York are not from New York that it is. Well, so what I'm saying is, I don't know. That's not my experience. A lot of my friends are from London. Yeah, right. So I, but I, again, I don't know. Like, that's Yeah. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. But I bet New Yorkers, there are plenty of people from New York who are New Yorkers or from New York, and they're not transplants. Mm. And they, I mean, there are plenty of people. I don't know what, right. I don't know what the stability there are. There are a lot are. of people who aren't from New York. That's amazing the number of people you meet. Well, in New let York me ask you, I want to ask Eloise about Jim's son. Eloise, you know Jim's son. Do you, he, he you know, Jim is calling. She him. knows. All of mine. You know all of your sons. You know all of his sons. Do you think that they are they they all identify as New Yorkers now and they consider that home? Do you think that someday they will want to come home to some to to outside of New York, like DC or somewhere else? Oh my gosh! I mean, I don't want. I definitely do not want to speak for them. And I'm really, I I only know. I mean, I know Willie a bit. Well, you're just speculating. Yeah, speculating about. I can only. I would mostly feel comfortable speculating about John. Ah, speculate. Um, I. Honestly, I actually can't imagine. Well, you know, he he keeps sort of making comments about maybe moving to London, which I would love. I could totally see John moving away for a bit, but I Uh I feel like he will end up in New York. So, right. So if he moved to London, that would be going away, but then he would come back home to to New York. I think so. Just based on, you know, he's built such an amazing life for himself there and he's got all of these wonderful friends and, you know, his career and, and the opportunities that that city offers. Well, I get all that. I I, yeah. I get all that. I'm just saying. I guess I'm thinking. You you know, you're of a significantly different generation than yeah. all the rest of these people on this podcast. Yeah. And one of the themes of everybody else that's been talking about has been that as we're getting older, there's an attraction to being closer to family yeah. roots. Maybe I don't know. Maybe just waiting until our parents die or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, so there's that's easy. And I'm wondering if you think that's going to happen. Simplicity for me. Like when I left Chicago, I, it was partly because I was sick of traffic. I was sick of the expense. I was sick. So there's a little bit of like. <laughs> My children are not moving back here unless they're forced to by Which, dire you know, could happen, I guess. Emergency. Like, but you don't know. I mean, it comes with age. And it well, comes with age. Well, it's possible. But that would not be a move by choice. That would be a move by, you know, not choice. So. I think that's a I guess my take on that would be that John would make sure that Jim and Anne moved to New York before, before he moved back to Maryland or DC. I think I think my children have already picked out <laughs> oh, the nursing God. home. They're going to shuffle me off to somewhere, but you know. That's good. At least they're planning. Uh Eloise, since the last time you were on this podcast, we've been 
strongly enjoined that we should keep these episodes shorter. <laughs> so I'm going to let you say some final things about this subject, the topic, and then we're going to go to our recommendations. Yeah, which I am not prepared for, by the way. So Good. Okay, so you can go next to last if you want to. But uh, it, and don't feel bad because Peggy, who's been on this podcast virtually since the beginning, <laughs> always forgets that there's a recommendation segment too. So it's true. It's Peggy very has, important. for example, one of her recommendations was to get a good <laughs> night's sleep. That Shut was up, great. That's very good advice. So. Thank you. <laughs> well, it is yeah. good advice, but it's perhaps <laughs> it was legit. Yes. Okay. So All right. I'll go f- Never mind. I'm with you, Jim. Eloise, final thoughts on the topic of home. Final thoughts. My final thoughts are home is a very difficult thing to define. I think it's a shifting thing, but it could be multiple things. And actually, the idea of going back to a home is, 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 a, strange, is a strange one. I, like My return to London has felt not like a homecoming, but a, a readjusting mm-hmm. of what I know to be home. <laughs> Yeah. I like that. Interesting. No, it's not meant to it be. It sounds like a horror movie, the way huh? you describe it. <laughs> Shape-shifting and... Yes, no, I'm just kidding. Thank I'm you. I'm just teasing. You're missed here, by the way, just so you know. You, many people and here, here being all of North America, if not all of the Americas. All of North America. Certainly the podcast. Certainly your friends in New York. Well, I'll be happy to be invited back, guys. I will speak. You I have an open invitation to well, Michigan. Thank you. You always are invited. Always. Eloise, we're actually going to Indianapolis, which I have never been to, to tape some, uh, to record some episodes. You can get tickets. Soon. People can so get maybe tickets. Maybe you'll invite us all to London to record some podcast episodes. Maybe, maybe Eloise, you could host us in London to record some podcast episodes. Great. You'll all be sleeping on the floor, but awesome. you're very welcome. The floor is always good for me. I'm good. I think John would particularly like that. I love it. Who would like to start the recommendation? Who would like to start the recommendation? Oh, Shelly goes first. Good. Shelly! My recommendation is very fitting with this theme of uh, our topic today. I'm recommending the Amazon Prime movie Homecoming. Really? Oh. With Julia Roberts. Teaser. Do you want to say anything more it's a about sh- it? It's a show. Oh, the only thing that's fitting is the t- title. Hey, give us a teaser. Yeah, it's a show. It's kind of a psychological... Thriller, thriller. That might be a stretch. Yeah, it's not a thriller. Um, <laughs> it's kind of but it's <laughs> yeah. But it's it's about soldiers that are coming home and reacclimating. So that's the homecoming so, part. Sort of like Eloise as a soldier coming home. If we can have that yes. mental <laughs> image in our heads, yes. And the facilities. Uh, there's a facility that's specifically helping them to acclimate. It's called a nightclub. No, it's not. <laughs> I watched this series about six months ago, and then Peggy reintroduced me to it, and I forgot I had watched it before until I downloaded it on my So it's really so good that you had totally (laughs) forgotten about it. Well, there, yeah, I forgot the title. There are pieces of it that move slowly, but um, I recommend hanging on to the end. Wow, what a ringing endorsement, (laughs) Shell. Um... Well, my other endorsement was a little aggressive, so I didn't. I decided oh, let's not hear to that. do that recommendation. Let's hear that. Oh, well, I love Halloween. Anybody who knows me lo- knows that I love Halloween. 
and um, it's becoming harder and harder. Some people would say you're the queen of Halloween. Yes, appropriate. Jim title. making reference to Shelley's online uh, ty- gnome de plume. John, you don't have to explain all I the. I know, but we don't. Well, well, know, I want. I want the. I want the, the, the listeners to be brought into the fold. It makes you look like a dork. <laughs> no, no, no. They like it. They like the fact that they're. It's like they're. It's like they're eavesdropping yeah, okay. on a private Fair conversation. Fair Go ahead, <laughs> Shell. What's your other recommendation? Yeah, I was going to say it's becoming harder and harder because I have to start earlier in the year. Because my recommendation was going to be to start boycotting any stores Ooh. that remove Halloween decorations in August oh and replacing them with Christmas <laughs> wow. decorations. You just start a nonprofit. And I'm not joking. This is a, a multiple store phenomenon. And they forget Thanksgiving entirely. But um, yeah, so I'm on a rampage with that. So my business is so really going to You want to boycott Amazon. stores that have Christmas decorations up? In August. That's. Insane. In what about in October? We're in October now. No, if they if they still have Halloween out in October, good luck finding them because there there are very few. All right. Mm. Yeah, I agree. It's a little crazy. I mean, some stores have Christmas up year round now, so it's well, I mean, it's un, it's incredible. But I agree, How, taking down Halloween for. <laughs> so my recommendation is also a podcast update it's two in one Yay. so a former guest uh, i think two-time guest of the podcast my niece maddie um i recommend yeah so i went to visit maddie Uh-oh. friday night t- into saturday and i recommend visiting your freshman niece at a tiny college in the middle of nowhere ohio what's the name of the college she's going to? kenyon college oh i know kenyon college that's a very good school that's an excellent school. it is a very good school so i've never been to a college like that before i was just like gobsmacked i was just like total people watching it was very interesting i loved it so i can't wait to How's go back she doing is she liking it yeah she likes it a lot that's she's great. Oh, she's like she's only been there five weeks and she's doing Way too many things like drugs, stretched, probably, I think. that's another story. <laughs> yeah, lots of drugs. Um, no, she's so she's yeah, she's in campus. her element there. She looks great. Oh, that's great. That's fantastic. No, but she's like a stage manager for a play, which is why I went and I went to see the play. Oh, well, you should have invited and us. She would have gone to on the review for the Kenyan. Kenyan Review, isn't that, that famous? That's a periodical that people submit their stories yeah, to Yeah, it's like everybody yeah, knows famous. Kenyan yeah, Review. Yeah, that's what it's called. So she's already been accepted to that. Yeah, it's pretty famous. Yeah. Actually. Kenyan College is actually pretty famous. So it was interesting. You know, women have only been going there for 50 years. That's wow. so weird. Wow. Wow. I know. So they're celebrating the 50th year of women being at the college. And some of them finally graduated <laughs> last year. It's <laughs> So that was my recommendation. That's my job here, folks. We love uh, it. John Heinz. Uh, my recommendation, recommendation? is um, to that everyone should go out and enjoy the harvest. Um, as as longtime listeners of the podcast will know, my husband is a farmer or a former farmer, and one of the things that being from uh, be, living with a farmer it, who who literally on a weekend 
would almost rather more than anything else to go into the backyard and watch the See, plants. My interpretation grow. of enjoying the harvest is I should eat as much as yeah, possible. Yeah, that's essentially is that it. what you mean. So Joe? what I want to say is like the harvest is here. We last night, yesterday, we spent uh, about ten hours yesterday making about twenty-five gallons of applesauce from from bushels of apples that we got from his uh, family's from a, a couple trees on his family's uh, farm, and. I have to tell you, there's something so great about getting food from the land and then and recognizing it's in season and then making something and talking and being together and really just enjoying the kind of bounty of the season. It is cool. It is awesome. I would agree. I canned 13 quarts of tomato juice. Wow. This I don't summer. even, I don't <laughs> so even good. like, like V8. No, I can't make V8. Awesome. Just regular tomatoes from so my garden fun. and my parents' garden. So much Mostly fun. Mostly my parents'. Can you make some tomato puree for me? Because if you can, I could use Yeah, that sure. We can actually spaghetti. make spaghetti sauce, too. But, you know, one of the things is you... you, you... No, no. I make the spaghetti sauce. Okay. <laughs> we, don't, we don't fuck with that. Jim, your recommendation? So mine is a podcast. Um, it's called... It's called Have You Heard George's Podcast? Oh. And it is maybe the, one of the most exciting things. Sounds I've, very British. Huh? Or very English. I don't know. Or very, very Londonish. <laughs> I don't know. It, it is. It's very, very. It is in, indeed very London-centric. So it's, um, it's hosted by a guy called George who's 28 and he's a black British guy. And the podcast centers around like inner city life in London as as a young black man and it's this really amazing mix of like music and poetry he used to be a rapper as well as like touching on current events and and news stuff happening you know in day to day so he talks about the Grenfell fire which is the the horrendous fire in the huge high-rise flat in West London which I think was two years ago maybe but anyway it's just this amazing way of touching on like you know institutional racism in the UK current events um, and politics, but through like spoken word, poetry, music, interviews, it's really just a really exciting way of making you think about stuff that's going on today. So highly recommend listening to it. Wonderful. Have you ever seen him? So he's sort of like the Luke and Tiffany Have you ever seen his face? Yeah, I saw him. I actually saw him live um, a few weeks ago and he, it's, it's really, it's amazing. He's really captivating. Is he handsome? Is he handsome? Luke and Tiffany are two. Yeah, people he sounds very like... handsome. He's <laughs> yeah, he's not a bad looking guy. I guess that's... by your description. <laughs> Does he look as good as Edris Elba? Let's get down to Kate. Whoa! This is what Peggy really wants to know. I don't know. I don't want to be quoted on this. And and actually, this is beside the point. That's fine. Mainly, he's just yeah, very talented, fine. and you should listen to the podcast, regardless of what he looks like. She'll live. Peggy doesn't listen to podcasts, <laughs> but she'll stare at his picture if he looks like David Tennant. <laughs> and Eloise, we frequently get go down the rabbit hole of besides the point for the, <laughs> the topics we're discussing. Uh, I was going to say, Eloise, that Luke and Tiffany are two people who host a Grand Rapids podcast. And we actually met Luke and Tiffany, and they were kind enough to be on our podcast when we went up there. And we love them. I love them. I still listen to their podcast. <laughs> That's for every sure day. true. So as a result, I probably know more about what's Jim, going on. Jim, you better do your recommendation because it sounds like your ride is there to pick you up. Ooh, the ambulance. 
No, oh, it's me. That's me. I don't me. know what that is. Oh, yeah, shoot. That's right. They're taking, <laughs> they're taking me to the nursing home today. So I want to very, very, in the strongest oh, possible right. terms, recommend right. the Netflix miniseries Unbelievable, which features three amazing performances by young Caitlin Deaver, who some of you may know from the movie Booksmart this past summer, and the amazing Tony Collette. Love her. And perhaps the most underrated actor I think working today, Merritt Weaver. Merritt Weaver and Tony Collette played two detectives investigating a potential serial rapist. It's a fantastic miniseries. It, I started to watch it. I was going to watch the first couple of episodes one night this week, and I ended up just watching all eight episodes wow. straight through. <laughs> it was completely absorbing. and Unbelievable. It's called Unbelievable. And Merritt, Merritt Weaver and Tony Collette are both tremendous actors, and I wanted to say a little bit about that, and that is this. So often what gets praised as good acting is very showy, is very much about calling attention to itself. It's histrionics and so forth. Whereas when you're watching Merritt Weaver and Tony Collette play detectives, you don't notice that they're acting. You just think these people are detectives. That to me is truly great acting. And this is, it's a really good series. It's well-written, it's well-directed, but most of all, it's well-acted. So as strong as any recommendation I have made, this is my recommendation. Watch this show on Netflix. Cool. Nice. So I'm going to wrap things up today. We want to thank our returning guest, Eloise Maxwell, for coming back to the podcast. If she comes back to the podcast, can David Persky be far behind? <laughs> that is today's question. <laughs> also, I want to say that when they do the movie version of this podcast, of course, Eloise will be played by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, <laughs> as we now know. And... <laughs> I also want to mention that a friend of the podcast and former guest, Nicole Wanzer Serrano, had a significant birthday recently. And so I communicated with her she and she now? wanted to give some feedback on the podcast because she does listen to the podcast. And guess what she said? What? She said she likes the quiz episode, which is what everybody, what everybody says. says. So I wanted to tell everyone that coming in December, we're going to be set, we're going to be having a quiz episode. So stay with us till December. And the other thing I wanted to mention, which I haven't even told John and Shelly and Peggy is, that in January, what we're going to be doing is, and I don't even know if you guys remember this, but last year we did a bunch of predictions for the year 2019. We love those. So in January, we're going to go back and look at those predictions and see how we fared Hilarious. with them. And maybe make some predictions for 2020. We'll see. I'm sure I was Anyway, right. we are going to be coming back to you in a month. If you, Please check our website, twoguysinsearchofanargument.com, all spelled out. That is to say the number two is not there, but the T-W-O is there. Please rate us on iTunes. Please follow us on all the usual platforms. Please say something about us, even if it's how much you can't stand listening to me. That's our favorite <laughs> feedback, actually. So if you want to express that, please do so. But but rate the podcast highly because John and 
Peggy and Shelly suffer enough just having to hang out. <laughs> and we'll see you next month. Bye. <laughs>